0: This podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Hi, my name's Leslie, and I am in recovery for anorexia. Hi, Leslie. It's so good to be here. Um, so, a few of you have already heard my little spiel, but I will say it again. That, um, well, it's not really a spiel. but So, I um, I did something that was not typical for me back in August. I um, emailed Everybody that I had in my address book um, about who was OA, in my address book, and asked them to um, pass my name along to be a speaker in the month of November um, for speaker seekers because I was going to be Higher Power Willing celebrating my fifth year in recovery. And I did on Monday. So um, I turned five, and um, my challenge from my, uh, my sponsor was to celebrate it some way. And to me, the best way to be able to celebrate this particular birthday was to, um, to talk about it and to talk about how my life has absolutely been transformed by my higher power. Um, and that seemed like enough. Um, but then I got to expose myself and be scared and, like, put feelers out there and, you know, advocate for myself. That's a gift that I have for uh, my recovery today. Instead of hiding and potentially being um, resentful that nobody knew and nobody asked, you know, I had to go out there and put myself out there to be able to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish, um, to be able to celebrate. So that's what I did, and that's why I'm here tonight. And um, Allison isn't here, but she... Reached out to me. She had. She was on my list, and she was like, "Well, would you like to speak at the Lifeboat?" And yes, I would. Um, Lifeboat has a special, um, a special place in my heart. Um, when I first came into the rooms, I hated meetings. <laughs> what a surprise! <laughs> um, I hated meetings. I hated coming to meetings. Um, according to me, and this was probably more of a. Um, you know a reflection on my inner workings at that point, but according to me, the meetings weren't positive enough. And one of the people who was um, in my life at that point, um, who's still in my life today, was like, Well, have you heard of the positive pitch meeting? <laughs> I was like, no, haven't. Um, and so I came. And, um, and it was huge back then. It was over in that other church over at, um, I don't remember where, that's not important, but it was big, and it was really uncomfortable chairs, and, um, and I came and I tried to hide, and I remember somebody talked to me, and she was really nice, <laughs> and I still talk to her today. You know, it's just really, really funny to me how my higher power really did lay a path for me, you know, should I want to choose it? To, to be able to sit here today. And ultimately I did. Things got bad enough, and I was, um, by the time I was really ready, I was absolutely on my knees um, searching for a solution that was greater than myself. And I asked Becky if I could you know, have this to, to hold on to, because I always love this part um, about you know, that, that you all read. Um, A.A.'s description of the alcoholic, the chapter to the agnostic, and the, our personal adventures before and after make clear three pertinent ideas. A. That we were compulsive eaters and could not manage our own lives. B. That probably no human power could have relieved our obsession. And C. That God could and would if God were sought. Um, I, <laughs> I like it. it. It spoke to me back in my early time because I really liked the phrase personal adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 kind of you know it I you know I at that point in my life needed to be entertained and I guess I still to some point (laughs) to some you know to some extent today need to be entertained but um I like the idea that my life before my recovery wasn't a wash that it was an adventure an incredibly painful adventure but it was an adventure and um and it's part of you know what what makes me who I am today um I have a, a very clear memory of being in in fifth grade and um and having my first boyfriend, you know, to the extent that you can have a boyfriend in fifth grade, and and you know us breaking up to the extent that you can break up in fifth grade. And I remember at that point, like even then, like it didn't it didn't feel good, and I remember thinking, oh, I can't wait till I'm an adult and I won't remember any of this, and. Um, and I think that when I entered, um, you know, entered into OA and on my odyssey of recovery, that I thought that maybe the other stuff would melt away. You know, like I wouldn't remember it. And now I realize that it's actually it can line up in my assets column instead of in my defects column, and that is is a huge gift um, to be able to see that that you know I am the sum of my parts in the best way possible. So. Um, to back up, you know, I think I'm gonna, you know, speak from from these, you know, three pertinent ideas. Um, I I've been um, I I've had a problem with food pretty much since the day I was born. When <laughs> I haven't, I don't think I've ever shared this at a meeting because um, I think it's odd. <laughs> but when I was born. Um, <laughs> Yes, David Copperfield, I promise I will not be like that. Um, when I was born, I was um I went into distress. I freaked out. It was a very stressful event for me, apparently, and um for the first couple days, like they had the hardest time feeding me. like I just wouldn't do it. I didn't want anything to do with my mom. you know I didn't really want anything to do with the nurses. like they actually had to like feed me. Um, because I was so wigged out from the process of being born, which, you know, I assume my brothers did it fine. You know, that there are people who are okay with this. Um, and so that's, you know, I feel like I'm different. You know, my my brain is different. I was born with the tendency um, with, as an anorexic, and that's okay. Um, so I didn't start my, my road... Um, into what eventually led me to OA with anorexia, though I, I started with um, with negative body image. Um, when I was the age of four, I, I grew up studying classical ballet, so there was a lot of emphasis placed on how I looked. Um, and then um, to to help with how I looked, I started um, running when I was eight, with my dad, running five you know five k after school one day. Um, and then when I was 12, that's when I started the restricting. And the restricting is ultimately what uh, led me into these rooms. Um, so as I've heard in in rooms and, and as my experience is that every time I had um, you know a larger and larger life problem as I got older, life's problems got more challenging and I was you know incapable of handling them on myself and heaven forbid let anybody in um, I needed more and more of my anorexia and my compulsive exercising to be able to exist in this world um, and it you know, the, the final straw as it were was my um, continental move um, from North Carolina to San Francisco and moved out here um, with only one person who knew me and um and you know, was isolated um, emotionally and physically. And instead of also letting people in and letting them know that maybe I was sad about having just moved away from my family, um, maybe you know, I was uncomfortable with, with how things were going. As was mentioned earlier, the West Coast is remarkably different from the East Coast, and, and it was nothing like I had ever really experienced before. And um, it was scary. But I just sent glowing reports back home, you know, everything's fine, we're having a great time, here are the things that we're doing. And I further isolated myself because I just I I couldn't I couldn't show anything other than a happy face. I didn't feel comfortable um, letting people in. So ultimately, um, you know, I I got to the point where my life was absolutely unmanageable. I was doing things, saying things, not saying things, um, you know, just my i you know i i didn't recognize me i had no idea who this person was that i was inhabiting i i i did things i never thought um that Leslie could do and um and ultimately what happened was that i i asked for help in a really really big way i um i came um i found uh, an intensive outpatient program my my path into oa leads through outside um through an outside way i they required me to go to three OA meetings a week, in addition to doing all of the the work that I had to do in that particular program. And ultimately, thought I'd hit my bottom. I hadn't yet. <laughs> um, there's, I think, there's a saying I've heard that when. You hit your bottom, you can either find recovery or if you stay on that bottom long enough, there's a trap door and you can find it and then you can hit your next bottom. Yay! I did that in the first three months that I was in OA. And the way that I managed to do that was I stopped coming to meetings, but I told the treatment center that I was coming to meetings. I didn't have a sponsor, but I told them I was working with a sponsor. Um, I wasn't doing the steps, but I told them I was doing the steps. But the way that I couldn't lie was when I got on the scale week after week and wasn't gaining weight and was losing weight. So they discharged me. They referred me to higher care. And um, worst day of my life slash best day of my life um, I it, at that point was the only acceptable way to run away so I did and um, I went down to San Diego and I checked myself into a, um, a residential eating disorder facility on November fourteenth, two 2006 mm-hmm. I will remember that day because I wrote it over and over and over and over and over again on a lot of paperwork um, but that's the day that I, that I count as my birthday because that's the day when I finally just gave in to my higher power, even though I didn't realize it at that point. So so I checked myself in for 30. I stayed for 60. Um, If I had left at 30, I wouldn't be here today. Um, By the time I left at 60, um, I was scared to leave, and that's when it's time to go (laughs) because I had a healthy respect for my eating disorder. And I had done a lot of spiritual work while I was there. I really got to... um, to start to work the steps I um I went to meetings while I was down there I remember when I first entered my therapist asked me do you believe in a spiritual solution which was great because this particular uh facility focused on the 12 steps there were meetings that came to the house they had meetings every single day they sent us out to meetings like it was really it was really an important part of the healing process there and um and at that point, and yes, the answer was unequivocal. Yes, I, I knew um, that um, that probably no human power could have relieved my obsession. Like it, it wasn't going to happen if it were up to me and people. There was something larger than me that needed to happen. I didn't know what it would look like, but I knew that it needed to happen. So um, that that is what I would actually really like to to talk about tonight is in um, This part that God could and would, if God were sought, um, because that's where my work has absolutely been. Um, OA wasn't enough to get me into recovery, but OA is what is keeping me in recovery, and OA is what has given me a life to live. Um, so, I, you know, I worked steps one through eight with my very first sponsor and learned so much. Um, about <laughs> love and being accepted, and um, and that all of my shit that I thought was my shit and I thought was terrible and I thought that people would run away screaming if they heard anything about it wasn't a big deal because at now living this life, you know, I I don't ever have to be that way again, and that's what I remember hearing was I don't ever have to be that way again. And I also remember what I resented at that particular time and working with this particular sponsor was when I was that step three was going to be a really big part of my life. I remember, um, you know, talking about stuff that was going on, and her answer was read step three. And this was after I'd already worked step three. I was like, I don't, what? And she just kept repeating it, repeating it, repeating it. And so I finally read step three. And I got so much out of it. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" You know, this is. Oh, I see. I started to see where self-will was really, you know, still running rampant, and that I wasn't able to have that that channel um, through my higher, with my higher power because I was still trying to control stuff. So that was really where I think the path of my spiritual growth um, took took root. Um, now my my higher power and I have an, an, a pretty amazing relationship um and I'm really really grateful I go everywhere with my higher power, but it's not it wasn't all at once like I used to come to meetings with my higher power and that wasn't you know that was but I wouldn't go to work with my higher power you know I'd like kind of leave my higher power like you know poor dog I like tied up that side of my office and 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 then wondered why I had problems at work you know like Oh, okay, or you know, I I would date, but I wouldn't really you know bring my higher power into that, you know, and then you know have wonder why things, just, you know, why I felt like I was kind of like you know stuck. Um, so that's where I realized um, something that seemed horrifying when I first came into the rooms, but now is just what I do, which is that the steps are more than my food. The steps are every day a path for living. And, um, and so I've, you know, I've realized that in working steps one, two, and three, pretty much every day that, um, that I'm not only building a foundation with my higher power, but also like interconnectedness as I work every other step. Um, they all blend together. And that's why working the steps a couple times so far for me is really, has really helped gel that because, I see that, you know, that work that I, you know, that I wasn't capable of doing in my early time that I can do now has really led to like, you know, like say, you know, I wasn't able to really, um, um, you know, visit certain things in step four, but now I can. And so it's really affecting my ability to be the best best Leslie I can be in step six and step seven and really, um, you know, love myself and, and, and ask my higher power to remove my shortcomings. um, Right now, I am approaching something that feels scary but also super positive. In that, there is one character defect, and I will be completely honest with you which one it is, even though it embarrasses me jealousy. Um, that I just I'm finally ready. I'm just ready. Like, I have this image that I'm just like carrying it, and it's just heavy. I just want to toss it over my shoulder and be a higher power. Help me. And so I talked with a sponsor today and, and you know, how have you done this? You know, what what have what did you do? And so basically working steps like one through seven around jealousy and it's it's scary because like what if I let it go? And that's this is the first character defect that even though I do not like it, it's the first character defect that, that I, I'm holding on to. And that's odd to me because all the other ones, like I was like, okay, time, ready, ready. But this one also, it's interesting enough that this one didn't show up the first two times I did my fourth step. This is new. So that part in our literature where it talks about, and then some might appear that you never had before. That happens, and and it's very humbling because I realize that I'm human, and that. This type of stuff can happen, or there were some that were really easy to give away and there's others that's not. And this one, it's time to give it away because it totally affects my food. And at this point in my life, like that's that's not okay. It's not okay. And um and and it also in a way is holding on to self will for me, um to to not fully turn it over. So that that's some of the work I'm doing. Well, actually, I haven't informed my OA sponsor that this is what I would like to do, but um, I know for a fact that she will be happy to hear that I've finally come to this place. Um, also, right now I'm doing um, several financial amends. Um, one that has, well, none of them have been asked to be paid, but there's one that is quite large and that... Um, if I never paid it back, they would be absolutely fine. It was my gift from my parents to send me to residential. And I don't know if I'll ever pay it back because it, it was a hefty price tag. Um, but it makes a bit, at this point in my recovery, it's the ultimate thank you. I sell them thank you all the time and they celebrate my birthday with me every year. And every time I say thank you for that, sum of money that they gave me to do this, um they always tell me that that it was absolutely worth it. And I'll tell you that it is hard to take that in. That um that I could be that special to somebody is really difficult, even today. And so um that is, you know, how I I want to live my life is that, you know, I I make the effort and I show up like my higher power wants me to, and it just feels right to go ahead and start doing this and just seeing where it goes. You know, maybe I'll be able to give more some months and less some others. But to me, like this is, you know, I they they gave me the means to be walking and living on this earth today, and so um, and and I and I can. So why not give it back? Um, so that's what I do. I also, um, I do a lot of service, um, small things like, um, so I have five more. Okay. Small things like, you know, helping set up for meetings, um, and working with a sponsor and well that's not small that's big (laughs) that keeps me sane um returning phone calls and that's super great at returning phone calls I will absolutely Mm -hmm. um own up to that I can make phone calls but returning them is a little more difficult um I work with several sponsees which um um right now it's kind of challenging because I don't know I'm at a point where because of um some things that are going on in my life that I don't I don't really know how much I have to give right now and that's really uncomfortable because I'm so used to giving 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 and um and so the idea has popped into my head like how do I give to myself right now and so that's something that I am I'm looking at on like what that would look like like you know what would change? What, you know, starting, that's one thing that's so amazing about recovery is that like, it's not, I have sponsees. I don't have sponsees. Like I have sponsees. I don't have sponsees. And like, there's a hundred thousand options in the middle of all of that. Like I remember, and I still love it today. It feels somewhat childlike in this, um, in this way. But when I was first, um, introduced to choices mm-hmm. in recovery as an adult, you know, like I have choices. I, Oh my gosh, it was so exciting to me because I never felt like I had choices before. I either, you know, I restricted or I hated myself or I restricted and I hated myself. But, you know, like there was like no, no middle ground anywhere. And like some choices were really, really overwhelming. Like all of the options that I had to be able to eat. That was terrifying, actually. So for about the first year, I... I cycled through about eight or nine different meals and, like, actually had them on the calendar because that felt safe. Like, I still had a wide variety, and they could be, you know, like, combined and mixed and matched and remixed or however you want to say it, but but that felt safe. And then, you know, it was able to expand from there, but, but then there were other choices that were just so freeing because I'd lived a life that was so confined, um, you know, that, that I didn't know what to do with it. So, you know, that's it's just... I, this is the last meeting I'm speaking at this month, and um, I'm just so grateful for this program. Um, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for y'all in these rooms, um, and the literature and sponsorship—such a gift, sponsorship—and and fellows, and and talking to them on the phone. And I mean, it is it is such a huge gift. It's scary to take this raw look at myself on a daily basis. But I was sitting here thinking um, during one of the quiet moments between pitches tonight, like, I can't imagine not coming Mm -hmm. here. Um, Even though sometimes I (laughs) grumble and, you know, and and drag myself to a meeting, like, I don't want to think about what I would be like if I wasn't here and if I didn't have my higher power. I don't... It's too scary to me. So... I'm going to keep coming back Mm -hmm. and I hope that y'all do too. So thank you so much for letting Mm -hmm. me share.